This is the Better Reading Podcast platform with stories behind the story, Jane's Be Better Podcast, my book chat with Caroline Overington and more. Looking for a particular podcast? Remember, you can always skip to it. Welcome to the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story, brought to you by Belinda Audio. Listen to Belinda Audiobooks, anywhere, everywhere. Hi, this is Cheryl Arkell for the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story. We talk to authors about how they came to tell us their story. Jacqueline Harvey, welcome to Better Reading. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Cheryl. Well, do you know, you're kind of become a bit of a regular, haven't you? <laughs> I have. I, I love uh, visiting with you guys. It's fantastic. Always good fun. Yeah. Uh, good questions that you ask me. And uh, we, yeah, we always have a great time. Um, but we're, we are remote this time. I know you've been into the office before, but this time you're in one place and I'm in another. Uh, and we're doing it via Zoom, which I have um, really struggled with initially. Um, the first couple I thought was strange, but now I'm, I'm well used to it. But do you know what I've missed? I've missed the human touch, the not necessarily touching you, but the nuance and your reactions and, you know, those sorts of things. Yeah, be, being able to read people, it's, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it is really tricky. And, you know, I, I'm, um, I've done some, uh, some things for schools and where you, you can't actually see the children. And so that's really interesting because when, when I go to visit schools, so much of it is about the, you get that sort of feeding from the audience, if you like. And so, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. It's very strange uh, in this situation. Oh, particularly with children. I think you get an energy from them, don't you? Oh, for sure. Absolutely. And also, too, do you know what I find? What I love about watching children at author talks is how engaged they are. They just listen so carefully. They love the stories, don't they? They do. They love the stories and they, they I, I love that they laugh and that they often will come up with really funny questions that you, you've never thought of yourself. Um, yeah, so that it, there is a real energy in the room when you present with kids and, and I, I miss that a lot. Yeah, I can imagine. Okay, so let me introduce you for those that don't know who Jacqueline Harvey is. Um, she used to be a teacher. How many years ago was that now? Uh, so I finished working in schools at the end of 2012. So what are we up to? Sort of coming up to eight years this year. Yeah. Uh, and prior to that, I was in school for 20 years. So, yeah. yeah. An experienced school teacher who's now a very experienced and successful author. She is um, the author of three lots of series. Uh, one's called Alice Miranda, which came first. Is that right? Yes. 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 Uh, Clementine Rose and Kenzie and Max Adventures. Now, they're all for different age groups, aren't they? Talk to me about that. Yeah. So Alice Miranda is uh, was sort of pitched in the beginning for eight to 12-year-olds. But what's been really interesting about that series is that it's had a much broader audience. So just for example, I got an email yesterday from a 15-year-old who said that she's loved having lockdown time because she's reread all of her Alice Miranda books. So, oh, I love that. Um, yeah, so we, we have a really broad age range. And I think because a lot of kids have grown up with her, they've sort of, it's almost like their guilty reading pleasure, if you like. 
Um, Clementine Rose was definitely pitched younger than that, so sort of the five to nine-ish uh, age bracket. And then Kenzie and Max is possibly a little bit more sophisticated than Alice Miranda, so we sort of looked at that being a nine to 13, 14-year-old. So, yeah, all different. Mm. Okay, so the topic here we're going to talk about really is why reading is so important and how to make it fun. So... I'll tell you a couple of my observation about watching young people read is sometimes those terrible um, graded reading books at primary school make reading a chore. Like it becomes like homework. And in the past when people have asked me and why they've asked me is because I'm in books and they just assume I know everything about children reading. <laughs> but the one thing I have always responded with is actually why don't you put your books in the toy box and read at playtime rather than make it homework. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a that's a really good idea. And and also to find, you know, there's yes, there's the school readers which, you know, they they're all about um, giving kids confidence and learning your sight words and repetition and prediction and all those sorts of things. But you know, kids need more than just that. So you've got to you've got to read books that are um, have much more engaging stories. And I think you know we are fortunate these days that we've moved on from the the Dick and Jane era of what I grew up with when I was really small. And we have books that are are much more interesting stories that are much more interesting. And so um, I think it's really incumbent on on um, teachers and parents to introduce kids to books that are, are more exciting. Mm. And so t talk to me more about the importance of reading in terms of development. And do you know what else I've noticed is children come to reading at very different ages as well. Oh, for sure. I mean, some children will, you know, there are, there are kids who will basically teach themselves to read. I, I was a kindergarten teacher for four years during my career. And I would find that, you know, in a class of 25 kids, you would have some that come to school who can already read and they've sort of almost just done it themselves because they've always been in front of a book um, that they've been read to really consistently. But then that's not to say that other kids who've been read to really consistently, you know, they they can that can happen for them, but they still perhaps won't read on their own for a while after that. But it is almost like magic when you see little ones um, go from one day when they're sort of not really getting it to the next day when all of a sudden it just it's, it's like this magic thing that will happen, um, but often not without a lot of work. And, and it is that thing about, you know, giving them the sight words and the repetition and, um, and, and reading to your children is so important, you know, um, being able to, you know, they say children are made readers on the laps of their parents or grandparents, and I absolutely believe that to be true. Um, so yeah, it's a, that, that's a really important thing to, to read to your kids and not to stop just because they start reading for themselves. I'm, I'm a huge advocate of um, keeping on reading with your kids, even, even as they get to upper primary school. Well, do you know, Jackie, I still love being read to. Yes. <laughs> I, as an adult, I love it. I love it when somebody reads to me. I really, I mean, I like reading, but I also love, it, it's almost a different experience when somebody reads to you, isn't it? Very true. And and I think these days too, we're so fortunate with, um, there are so many audiobooks. And so, um, you know, I know a lot of parents are really time poor. And so to be able to give your child a book but then have the audio book that goes with it, that's, um, that's often a really good way to encourage them to continue with a story, particularly if they find, you know, parts of it hard. Mm. I, I want to tell you this cute little story. Um, so uh, I've got some great nieces and nephews, so it's, it's pretty much like being a grandparent who I adore. But in isolation, of course, I wasn't seeing them. And one of them FaceTimes me to do story time. 
right? And so I've been reading, well, you know, they always want the same book. Ten Little Fingers, Ten Little Toes has been a big feature of the Mem Fox one because she's yes. only three, right? However, the other day she called me and I wasn't home. I was at my mum's place and I said, Sarah, I don't have a book with me. And she said, well, just make it up. Oh. oh, okay. So <laughs> I'm like, all right, that's on the spot, right? And yep. so I did make it up because I've got a dog and I made a little story up about my dog. Do you know how many times I've told that story now? In a week? Oh, probably 20. She's probably asked for the same story 20 times. But the good thing is you can mix it up and you can add a few, you know, little strange uh, asides. Yeah, like. that's right. So that's the magic of even, you know, making up stories or, or telling stories out loud is, is just pure magic. Now, there's so many people homeschooling, and I know everyone wants me to ask you this question. You're a writer and you're a teacher. Tell me your view on this. On the homeschooling? Yeah. Oh, look, I think it's really, it, it's a really tough situation. Um, I mean, I can give you a, a first-hand example. Um, my own sister is, uh, one of my sisters is a teacher, and uh, she's trying to teach her own high school classes, and she has four children at home. <laughs> and so... Wow. Uh, she she has two sons, 13 and 12, and two daughters, 10 and 6. And so, um, look, you know, she's basically, because she is a teacher, she's set it up very much home. Um, you know, school at home is all about structure and timetables and, um, you know, for her own sanity. But I know a lot of people haven't been able to do that and they're juggling, you know, doing other jobs and being on a Zoom conference and trying to get their kids to work, you know, independently in the background. So... I, I really would say don't beat yourselves up about it because, you know, um, if you're not a teacher and this is not what you signed on for, you, did, you didn't sign up to be a, a homeschool parent, and, and it's not homeschooling, it's, it's school at home. There, there's a difference. You know, there are lots of homeschoolers who, you know, there is a curriculum for homeschooling and it's a very different thing to what people are living through at the moment. So uh, I think the mainly, main thing is just be kind to yourselves and, if you're able to, if you're able to have you no know, time with the kids, then enjoy it. You know, teach maths through cooking, or you know, teach um, teach science through going out into the garden. Uh, PE lessons on your bikes is fantastic, good fun, um, and and so much reading. I think um, you know, I, I received a lot of mail from children recently, um, Cheryl, where they're saying one of the things that they that they've actually really enjoyed about this lockdown time is that they've had lots of time to read. And I think, you know, if your kids just keep reading, the rest of it, you know, we won't lose it. It will come, you know, teachers will be working really hard to make sure that uh, that the kids are caught up when they go back to school. Do you know, Jackie, I really love those tips, like, you know, teach science through cooking. I hadn't thought about that. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at UH1.com. Tell me the difference between homeschooling and school at home. Is that- if you're a homeschool parent, and I've actually worked with a few of the homeschool networks in Sydney, yeah. um, you know, these are kids that are educated at home. So this is all Board of Studies approved. It's, um, I don't think we call it that anymore, but um, it's, it's all approved, government approved. Uh, there's a curriculum. The parents subscribe, you know, adhere to the curriculum. Um, they, they do exams and they, they teach, you know, they're teaching their children the standard syllabus, if you like. Um, and it's interesting, like I've, I've done some um, activities with homeschool groups where, uh, and, and it's been so interesting to see how they interact. So um, a group that is based sort of in the northern, uh, northwestern suburbs of Sydney around sort of Arcadia and Dural, that area. And I went to do a writing workshop and all of these homeschool kids came to this one um, one house, a very big house, where we set it up as if it was a classroom, but they were kids all coming just from their, their home school groups. And I guess, uh, you know, that's that's normal. That's what they do all the time. And they go on excursions and they, um, you know, they have sports and all that sort of thing. Whereas school at home is, is what's happening for parents whose kids would regularly go every day to school. And at the moment, because of COVID-19, you know, they, hadn't be, they haven't been able to do that, although all around the country now we've had announcements about, you know, the staggered returns to school and in some states everybody is going back to school at the moment. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, school at home is, is not homeschool, if you like. That's a really interesting point. I didn't know the difference between that, but that, that makes perfect sense. You touched a little bit on writing there, which I quite like because I'm often focused on the reading side of things. Um, but, you know, teaching kids to write... Talk to me about that. Is it, you know, what is it that you're teaching? Are you teaching plot? Are you teaching technique? I mean, what is all, it that you all, teach? The whole gamut, really. I mean, and, and, you know, you're teaching characters and ideas. Where do you get your ideas from? How do you create a character? Um, how do you drop a character into a, a, a tricky situation? Because, you know, one of the things that I always say to kids is that when you write a story, there's got to be a problem. So you've got to make trouble for the characters and, you know, otherwise it's not very interesting. It's just going to be sort of a, a recount. And so to, to be able to put your characters into tricky situations and then how are you going to resolve the tricky situation, it's all about language, teaching them about, you know, metaphors and similes, broadening their vocabulary. And at the moment, there's been loads of really good resources. A lot of authors have been doing things. Um, you know, I'm doing something with the State Library um, on, on writing um, about characters and putting them in tricky spots. And so, you know, when you teach kids writing, it, it is really about the whole gamut, but you're not trying to do it all at once. Mm. I want to talk a little bit about how you came to writing, how you transitioned from being an educator <laughs> to being a writer. Talk to me about that. Uh, so I, I was always a kid who loved to tell a story. So even when I was very small, I was always going home and telling stories to my parents. And, and in our family, storytelling was a bit, I suppose, a bit of a game really in that we we were very much made to sit at the dining room table every night and talk about our day. And, you know, my dad's very, he's quite a funny storyteller. He's quite an inappropriate storyteller at times. Um, but I, most dads are. Yeah, most dads are, absolutely. And so, you know, I, I had that love of the telling. And then as I went through school, you know, I, in primary school, I wasn't so much into writing. I, I think I used to keep a diary in my older years of primary. 
And then when I got to high school, I loved I loved writing for English. I loved I loved writing essays. I just loved writing anything. And so um, I won a competition when I was a teenager. And at the time, you know, it just still to me writing seemed like a career that was unattainable because I didn't know any writers and I never grew up with any writers. Whereas today, you know, children contact me all the time via, um, you know, via my website, via all, all sorts of means, Instagram, etc. And so I think for kids now, we seem a lot more real. You know, back back in when I was a child, I thought that writers lived in cottages in the woods in England. Um, and that couldn't possibly be me because I grew up in the southwestern suburbs of Sydney. So, um, yeah, so anyway, I, I just did a lot of writing for my own classes when I first became a teacher. And then I got to a point where I thought, well, I'd really like to do something and try to be published. And, and you know, my husband was a great, um, uh, he was great at convincing me, you know, uh, are, you, are you going to do it or are you going to talk about it for the rest of your life? And I, <laughs> I really took that as a bit of a challenge. And I thought, you know what, I, I'm going to give this a proper go. And you know, I, I also thought to myself, well, what's the worst thing that could happen? It, you know, it doesn't happen. And I had a great career as a, a teacher. I was a deputy head at that stage and I loved my teaching career. So for me, the transition to becoming a writer is just, you know, an absolute bonus. And certainly for me, I, I feel so fortunate that it's, you know, worked out the way that it has. Yeah. What were your favourite books growing up? Because I was just thinking about that. Is there anything that you think was for, I mean, you probably read so much, but has anything stood out for you? Like Yes, um, Heidi. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I, loved, um, I loved Heidi. Uh, I don't know why. I was just absolutely, completely fascinated by um, Switzerland and the Swiss Alps and, you know, how could people live in these strange sort of houses on the side of these huge mountains? Yeah, so I really, really loved that. Um, and in fact, the book that I'm writing at the moment, um, I've just taken my characters to Zermatt in Switzerland. So I'm just, uh, I'm going to have uh, the next, you know, few weeks <laughs> spending my time writing about Switzerland. I also loved Black Beauty. I was a really horsey kid. Um, I, I had a horse when I was a child, so I was, I loved those stories. And I, I did read a lot of, um, you know, Famous Five, Secret Seven, those kind of stories. And, and Winnie the Pooh, I loved Winnie the Pooh as a child as well. Mm. I was thinking, you know, one of my all-time favourites was Little Bear by Elsie Homeland and created oh. by Maurice Sendak. Aren't they beautiful? Beautiful. beautiful. Yeah, actually, I, I also loved Paddington Bear. I liked, I liked the bears. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's interesting how those stories just stay with us forever. And I guess what you're writing, as you say, is going to stay with children forever. So even at 15, you're going back and rereading them. Yeah, it's inter- it is interesting. I think that... Things we read as children have a habit of staying with us much more than things we read as adults, unless it's something that is a real standout. It's interesting that, isn't it? Are you mindful of that in your writing? Um, no, not really. I mean, I'm, I'm not sort of sitting here thinking, oh, am I going to write a, a, a classic? Um, you know, you hope that it's something that will endure. Um, and, and I suppose in one sense, you know, I, it, particularly in um, actually in all of the three series, I've been quite reticent about putting a lot of technology into the stories, so I don't want them to be placed in a particular time. Mm. So I think that that kind of helps in a way with that. You know, yes, there's mobile phones, but I don't go into great detail about. You know, I don't say uh, Alice Miranda just got herself the latest iPhone 11, you know, anything like that, so that you can't place it in a particular time. And even the Spy series, Kenzie and Max, you know, they have lots of really cool gadgets, but 
some of them are gadgets that, you know, Maxwell Smart probably had in 1968 or whatever it was. So yeah. it's, um, yeah, it, it, there is a bit of deliberateness, I guess, about that. I hadn't, hadn't really thought about that before, but you just hope that they're stories that will endure and themes that will endure. And, and I think really, you know, themes of friendship and family and adventure um, and, and solving a mystery, uh, they're, they're really enduring themes. You know, they're, they're things I grew up with. You know, I, I also loved um, Trixie Belden when I was a kid and Nancy Drew and uh, the Hardy Boys. And they're all, you know, if you if you pull those apart, they have all those elements. Mm. Um, now, out of your three, is there any one, well, would you say, this is like asking the favourite child question. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you get asked that a lot, right? I mean, is, do you have a favourite character? No, no, I really don't. I, I love them all. Um, they're all good fun to write. They've been really, they've all been very good to me. So, no, I don't have a favourite. You sound like a diplomatic parent. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Jacqueline Harvey, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, thank you so much for having me, Cheryl, and uh, everybody out there, stay well and uh, we'll, we'll see you on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. If you'd like more information about Better Reading, follow us on Facebook or visit betterreading.com.au. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Belinda Audio. Belinda Audiobooks are available on CD and MP3 from online booksellers and bookshops everywhere, or you can download from Audible, Google Play or the iBookstore. We've also created our own app called BorrowBox that's available from both the App Store and Google Play. All you need to do to get it working is to download the app, join your local public library, and you'll gain access to the world's best collection of e-books and e-audiobooks available for you to loan on your phone or your personal device. Belinda, we're here to enable you to escape, imagine, grow, and be inspired through the power of storytelling. Belinda Audiobooks. Anywhere. Everywhere. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Traffic jams, tailgating, pile-ups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a review and check out the other podcasts on the Better Reading Network.